Well, indeed, yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus is still the same. Do you believe that? There used to be a hymn that we would sing often in the church I grew up with. It was actually a hymn by A.B. Simpson, who founded the Christian Missionary Alliance, of which we're a, a part of the movement of. And it comes straight out of that Hebrew passage there. Yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus is still the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. And so I am going to uh, have us pray, and we are going to launch into 2021. Before I pray, I want you to pray, and I want you to center your hearts on him. You probably already prayed that way for this year, but together corporately as we're gathered here in our outdoor and indoor venue and you home, uh, or maybe on the road somewhere watching online, I want us to pray, and I want you to offer your hearts afresh and new to God to hear from his spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do acknowledge here this morning together as a corporate body of people, the awakening and friends and family, literally possibly across the nation, that you are the same today and forever. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, give us a year of strength and encouragement so that we can serve you, so that we can love you, so that we can forward your purposes and that we may find ourselves in the center of your will for this year. Lord, so much has been said about the difficulties of 2020, and they could be enumerated, but Lord, for me, I know I'm desiring for the sand just to have washed it away for it to be gone. And for us to learn the lessons from 2020, but to look to you because you do not change. And we know that you have plans and purposes for each one of us, whether we're here for the first time today, or we've been around for a while. And we ask, God, that we would hear from your word, and we would hear from your spirit directly today concerning the aligning of our lives to your plans and your purposes. Lord, in all things we pray, amen and amen. Well, yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus is the same, but I trust that's not true in your life. I trust that you are changing, and you are developing, and you are growing. We looked at it last week about the opportunity for us to establish, you know, hey, sort of, what are your New Year's resolutions? And could your New Year's resolution be something other than, hey, I need to, you know, lose some weight, or I need to be able to uh, uh, get more organized and, and more disciplined in a certain area? Could it be that your passion for this year is to know Christ and to make him known more. And what is it that would be your game plan uh, for that to happen? And so I want to encourage us as we look at this year and, and inside there with you, Josh, got a little bit of ringing out here happening. And um, if we could um, 
just get ourselves aligned and disciplined in the process of seeing what God would have for us to do this year. How many of you had a, uh, a different kind of New Year's experience uh, with watching the ball drop with no people there, I guess, or maybe you usually go out and you're with other people? It was a different kind of experience for us in our home. A couple, three of my kids, they were all different directions, and so it was sort of just me and my wife, and, and we got Levi pulled out of his room, I think, at the moment that the ball dropped to be able to say, hey, there it is, kind of deal, right? But it just seemed to have a, a little bit of a flat start, and I don't want us to have a flat start in this. And uh, if we can keep working with the ringing out here a little bit. You guys got some ringing going on there? Uh, Josh, you got that in there? Um, so maybe just bring it down some, that kind of thing. I don't want to bother you guys. And you guys are like, I need to deal with this somehow, some other way. But I want us to um, take an initiative to this year in the area of discipleship and growing in Him. And that's why I mentioned the opportunity, or Zach did, for the Rooted Experience. But today, I want to focus on some of the aspect of our prayer life. Historically for me, I've always come into the first Sunday of the year calling us as a church family and a church body to focus on prayer. And a lot of times we have this tendency to think of prayer as something um, passive, calm, um, sweet. I want you to think more aggressively of prayer for 2021. In fact, I want us to put a 2021 prayer life on the forefront for us to uh, experience His presence to be more real, for His promises to be more clear, and for His power to be more active. Say those three with me, will you? For His promises to be what? Real. For I mean, His presence to be what? Real. For His promises to be more clear, and His power to be more active. The psalmist says this in Psalm 16, 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I don't know about you, but uh, I have to discipline my life on a daily basis to practice the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I can get easily caught up in the circumstances of an hour, definitely of a day. I can get discouraged maybe by something that uh, happens or something that I read. And I can easily lose sight of the presence of God in everyday moments. And so you have to work hard at practicing the presence of God that He is always with you. And that He is um, walking through whatever circumstance you may have going on in your life. Have you ever felt like abandoned by God maybe? Where's God at in this situation or this problem in my life? And we feel that way as human beings. But the Scripture's adamant that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And His counsel is there to speak into our life. But we have to practice the presence of the Lord. And this isn't like a make-believe thing, like, oh, I'm going to just sort of make-believe, right? We say it often. Scripture teaches that wherever two or three are gathered in the presence of the Lord, He is there in our midst. And that's true for us here this morning. Scripture also teaches that uh, even though we may be walking through a valley, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His presence is with us in the valleys. Jesus, He instructed His disciples when they were really worried about Him uh, disappearing on them. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And when I send my Holy Spirit, I will be with you forever. 
and give you counsel and guidance and strength and power and conviction. God's plan was not for us to walk through this life alone. His plan was to be in our presence. And so when He ascended to the heavens, He sent His Spirit to be with us. And we have to practice the presence of the Spirit because it's not that it's not with us. It's just that we have a tendency to ignore things or be so caught up in our own lives that we don't realize that it's close at hand. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this, The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So His presence becomes more real to us when we pray. Now, how do you pray? Physically, how do you pray? Do you just sort of keep your eyes open and say, oh, Lord Jesus, God, help me in this situation? You can pray that way. You don't have to have your eyes closed to pray and talk to the Lord's presence who is with you. Do you uh, close your eyes and, and get all uh, fisted up kind of thing? And, and oh, Lord Jesus, we, or do you hit your knees? Have you ever fallen on your face to pray? The posture doesn't matter. But posture sometimes can help you dial in to presence. And so if you are practicing prayer by, yeah, I'm always praying. I pray to God all the time. No, I want to know. Do you pull away and spend time in concerted, demonstrative ways to pray and to seek His face? My father was not a Christian growing up. Some of you have heard me share this before. He came to know Christ in his uh, early young adult years. But uh, I always admired my dad because uh, uh, of several reasons. But one was he was a man who sought to pray for his family. And many a times I would barge into the bedroom and I would find my dad on his knees. And he would be praying. And he would be praying probably for me and my brothers, and some other situations maybe that are going on, my sisters, right? Maybe things with uh, the family at large. But just that visual was demonstrative to me of someone who would humble himself and to pray on a regular basis. And I don't know about you, but when you want to practice the presence of Jesus there is a humbling need for us to come before Him with a contrite heart. I want to encourage you in your prayer life 2021, shake it up a little bit. Learn some different kinds of routes maybe you can go to practice the presence. Maybe it's a prayer walk. Maybe it's kneeling in prayer. Maybe it's uh, keeping your eyes open and praying. Whatever it is that can help you focus on His presence being with you, He wants to minister to you and be by your side. So we're into day three now of 2021. Have you felt His presence in these three days? What about the rest of the 200 and what? 62 days this year. Will there be a practicing of the presence of God in your life through demonstrative prayer? humbling yourselves before Him. For the Lord goes before you, and He will be with you, 
He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The second thing is this whole aspect of promises. His promises become more clear. Or almost said, his promises become more dear. This scripture, this book, called the Bible, is full of promises of God. And some of you are missing out. I know I miss out because I don't discover the promises as readily as I should. 2 Samuel 7, 25. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promises you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promise so that your name will be great forever. This is a great prayer by King David. When God was speaking to him about building a place for God. And David comes out and he has this strong, aggressive kind of spirit that's claiming, hey, here are the promises. Now these promises you have given to us, God, and I want to stand on these promises. And so when we pray, we find the promises of Scripture and we pray those back to God. Almost like uh, saying, hey, and this is not manipulative by any means. It's like, hey God, um, your word says that you'll never leave me or forsake me, but I feel abandoned right now in this situation. I need to claim that promise. And so it's rightful for you to not just spend time in communion with God in His presence, but dialoguing with God concerning how He's talked to us from His Word. And so I want to challenge you in your 2021 prayer life that in prayer, His promises can become more clear. But to do that, you're going to need to spend time in prayer with the book open and looking for those promises and then writing them down or maybe uh, texting them a message to yourself. What are the promises that God has for you this year? Some of those promises can be revealed through spending time in prayer. Prayer is not always talking. I always feel sort of bad sometimes when I stand up and speak because I want this to be a dialogue. I almost wish it was more of a classroom. Hey, you got questions? Let's interact, that kind of thing, right? Because there's the pastor up there. He's just, he's going off. He's pontificating. He's, you know, doing his oratorical thing and he's talking. But there's not a two-way street. So a lot of times I try to second guess maybe what you're thinking. Like, where's he going at with this? It's really cold out here. Is this going to be over pretty soon? Whatever it may be, right? And so I want a dialogue. Well, in prayer, prayer is just not speaking and dumping your load with God. God, here's my problems. Thank you very much. Prayer is an interactive thing where you are speaking to God, but then you're pausing and you're being silent and you're listening to Him. Silence is awkward. Silence can be awkward in prayer, in personal prayer time. A lot of times in group prayer. Have you ever been in group prayer? It's like, hey, let's pray together. And one person prays and then it goes silent for a while and you're thinking, oh my goodness, somebody needs to say something. Somebody else needs to pray. Well, why is that? Why do we think that words are always necessary to communicate? When you're with a loved one, do you always have to be talking to them or just your companionship of being together? And sometimes maybe it's a look or an action that endears you to that person. 
Having interaction with God means that you need to speak, but you also need to listen. And we listen by being in His Word, praying His Word, finding His promises, and stepping out on those and claiming them. So in your prayer, practice the presence that it may be more real. But seek and listen for His promises that they may be more clear. And the third, the third has to do with action. That His power would be more active. Hebrews 4.16 says this, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I want to anchor here for a while. This has been some of my personal conviction for me this year. And sometimes there's messages that are for all of us. And sometimes they're for particular ones of us. And this is a message that, a message for me, if it's not for you. This year, in 2021, Pastor Kerry Bowman's prayer life needs to step up and be more bold. Not arrogant or presumptive. Not manipulative or bombastic. My prayer life needs to be more bold because God has called us to interact with His purposes in our world. 2020 taught all of us that we're not in control. And it's taught pastors that we're not in control a lot. Pastors gauge uh, how well things are going on in a church a lot of times by how many people show up. Well, we shut down the on-site stuff for the last three services, last two Sundays and Christmas Eve, and I was back to being online only. And I didn't like going back there. I miss you. I like seeing you. The body of Christ so we can interact. That's why we're back on-site, even though, um, you know, we went nine months with the whole COVID thing, and not one person in our church networks primary church networks that we knew of got COVID. I have found a lot of people in the last couple, three weeks that have either gotten COVID or they um, have come in contact with someone who has COVID. I got a text right before service today for a meeting we're supposed to have afterwards and one person said, hey, actually it was two people came into contact with somebody who has COVID. I'm going to get tested. I can't go to the meeting unless it's by Zoom. It's been extremely frustrating. And I've tried to gauge why am I frustrated, and part of it is because God's shaking me concerning what we define as success as a body of people, and even what I define as success in my own personal life as a pastor. Is it by the numbers of people we can get to gather in a building once a week? 
Or is it because of what Scripture says, which is to go and make disciples of all nations? Because, you know, in the New Testament, they didn't have a lot of big church buildings. They didn't have these organized kinds of gathering times as it sort of migrated to. It was a movement of people, person-to-person encouragement, connecting, declaring, proclaiming the good news, articulating that we have seen the resurrected Christ and that there's hope in the world. And many were added to their number daily and they didn't have Sunday morning service. So could it be, Pastor Kerry, Awakening Church and family and friends, that we need to not just pivot towards being able to have an indoor-outdoor kind of combo venue. Maybe we need to pivot to some other things. And part of that for me is this whole issue again flooding to the surface for me concerning my prayer life and where is my boldness at in believing that God could act and not feel like we're in a holding pattern until enough people get vaccinated. Holding pattern until you know the um, herd immunity thing happens or whatever it is. And then we can get back to really doing the main thing. No, this is the main thing. How we love and care for one another even during challenges. And our challenges are minimal compared to challenges that people have around the world and Christians have around the world. There is nothing, nothing that's keeping any one of us from being able to pray every day. And in that prayer, to ask for God to move. He is not closed up in some type of quarantine. He is not, you know, whoops. He is not out there trying to uh, put on one of these. Let me get that back right so that I really don't mess everybody up. Put on a mask, right? There is no sweat on Jesus' brow concerning what's happening. And oh my goodness, I'm going to have to park for a while for this kingdom expansion until this disease gets passed. There is nothing that keeps us from seeing God's hand move. And many times we believe that we pray for God's hand to move with our strategic plans, not realizing that God's strategic plan is prayer. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. How bold are your prayers? Do you pray for God to actively work in powerful ways in your life, in the lives of others? What would be a bold prayer for you? Well, I don't know about you, but uh, a lot of times a bold prayer for me is just simply, God, change me. Maybe you like who you are and you're content. Just a simple prayer, God, change me to be more like you, Christ. Oh, watch out of what he might do with that. Maybe there's a particular uh, thing that needs to be prayed for that God can work a miracle in, but you're hesitant to do that. And we're going to look at one of the most extreme miracles of Scripture here in just a second. But what if God called you to pray over somebody to come back to life? You know, on our Facebook news feed, we have some friends back in our hometown. And um, everybody back there is praying for two young toddlers. And these two toddlers uh, were at a caregiver's home, I believe, and they strayed away a few weeks ago and they fell into an indoor pool. 
And they were submerged for a good considerable amount of time. I think it was like 20 minutes or something like that. And they were discovered and they were brought out lifeless. And so prayers start going up for them. Laney and Levi. I have a Levi, so we can pray for Levi and Laney. And the prayers have been effective. Laney has come back and she is fully awake and there are no complications. Seemingly. Levi is alive and breathing on his own and going through some intense treatments when they took him, I believe, to some southern state to go through some intense therapy. And the amount of prayers that are being offered up on these two littered twin toddlers, boy and a girl, is incredible. In fact, I think this week they had close to 20,000 people joining online in a worship and prayer service praying for them. If you've ever been around anybody that's trying to recover from such a tragic accident, especially of a drowning, it's scary. You want them to have life, but you know that if they have brain damage and other things, there's going to be some significant complications. And so we're praying for Levi and his full recovery. And you can join in in prayer on that as well if you want. But that's a bold prayer to pray, God, these two little lifeless bodies, bring them back to life and bring them back whole. But when you go to pray for situations like that, are you hesitant? Like, oh, I don't know, this would be a big deal, God. Do you doubt? Or do you come boldly before the throne? Or do you maybe sometimes just have a situation and you do not even ask God for his advice or counsel? The scriptures told of Joshua after he had led the Israelites across the, Josh, uh, the um, Jordan River on dry ground. They had to take over the promised land, and so they started to take over, beginning with Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down, right? And then there was the city of Ai, and they took that over. Well, word started to spread in the, in the, the area of Israel at that time, like, oh my goodness, there, there's this army, there's these new people that are here, and they are having this incredible, powerful uh, uh, military might victories. And so Joshua was... Uh, hanging around one day from uh, Gilgal area where they were stationed, and, and he had some uh, strangers come from apparently a faraway place. And they looked like they had traveled from countries away. And they had the grain sacks on them. They were asking for help. Their sandals were all messed up. They actually had uh, bread that was dry and moldy. They fit the bill. And they came to Joshua and they say, hey, we are from a far away place. Would you sign a covenant with us? Well, Joshua made a mistake. And he didn't do what it says in Joshua 14. It says they did not ask the counsel of the Lord. They did not pray. And so he steps into this covenant with this group of people from wherever they came from. Lo and behold, he finds out two or three days later that he had been snookered. He actually signed a covenant to protect some people that were only 20 miles away. It'd be like from here up to Paris or something, up to 215. And God had told them to take over all this area. They'd actually come from the town of Gibeon. Well, Gibeon was protected then because of this covenant that was made with Joshua and the Israelites. Five kings, 
from five other cities around that area got real frustrated that Gibeon stepped in to this kind of agreement because they wanted to oppose the Israelites who had come. And so what did they do? Those five kings got together, king of Jerusalem, king of Jephthah, king of Hebron, and a couple other places, Lachish, and they said, you know, we're going to go and do battle, and we're going to beat up, and we're going to destroy the Gibeonites. So they came down on them. What did the people of Gibeon do? They call up Joshua, and they say, hey, Joshua, you made a covenant with us that you would protect us. What did Joshua say? No way, man. Yeah, you, you, were, you were deceitful. And you told me you're from far away place. I didn't know you were in the next town north. No, Joshua said, we'll be there. He got his army ready. They marched through the night. You can march about an army about 20, 25 uh, miles, they say, uh, in a day to be able to get there. He marched through the night. And they ended up uh, coming upon this, uh, this unified uh, alliance of these five kings and their warriors and they started to take them out. And not only did they take them out, but God be, began to help by firing, uh, by having uh, fire hailstones fall down on them. And it says that more killed were more killed uh, by the fire stones than the, by the, the Israelites, by the sword. And now you're ready for one of the boldest, biggest, baddest prayers that were ever petitioned to God. If you know the story, you know where it's going. Joshua 10, verse 12 says this. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victories over the Ammonites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Yashar, which is an old book that's been lost and nobody knows about it, but Joshua was saying here, excuse me, that, hey, this event, it's radical. You can't believe that God would stop the sun. It's recorded in this other book. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one day, one before or since, when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Actually, the translation says, when the Lord answered such a prayer, never been such a prayer, such a man, such a, such a bold voicing prayer, of a person. I don't know about you, but when I stand up here and I say, let's have bold prayers for this year, that one's a little bit outside of the scope for me. All right, God, where's the sun at right now? Let's, let's just stop the sun right there. Now, I make this point so that you don't feel foolish. Because there is some prayer that God's going to ask you to pray this year. That's bold. A bold prayer about changing your life or impacting someone else's life for the glory of God, for the greatness of God. And you're going to think to yourself, what? I could never pray that prayer. 
Friends, you are not going to say anything to God that he hasn't heard already that's even more outlandish. Because he's going to say, wow, I remember when Joshua prayed that the sun would stand still. and the, I don't know if that was the earth stopped spinning or however God did that kind of thing. And you can get into the science of all this. And, and there's even people who have critiqued it. Could it be true that the, the sun stood still for a period of an afternoon or whatever? <laughs> but God's not going to say, you're crazy. What are you asking for? If you're asking his name with the right spirit, God's going to say, wow, that person has faith and desires to see great things happen. So what is it that you need to be bold about in your prayers for 2021? And don't be discouraged because some of you have been praying a bold prayer and it's not been answered yet. And all I can say is stay with it if God's pressing you with it. Sometimes he says, wait. Sometimes he says it's slow, but God is faithful in answering his prayers. He may come at one time and say, no, and that's his answer. But do not withhold bold prayers. May your prayer life 2021 see the power of God be in more real action. We do not pray for our strategy Prayer is the strategy, and God wants us to keep our hearts open to His plans and His purposes. Boldness in prayer comes from two things I just want to make mention of as we prepare for our hearts to center on Christ as we close. Boldness in prayer comes from God-glorifying motives and Christ-centered authority. God-glorifying motives and Christ-centered authority. In James 4.1 it says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And maybe you've heard this phrase in another translation that says, You have not because you ask not. Have you heard that? You have not because you ask not. But we need to understand what the context of that is in. The context of that verse is in the broader context of people who were being selfish. They were praying with wrong motives. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, verse 3 says, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So when I center myself on Christ for 2021 and I pray to be able to seek His presence to be more real, for His promises to be more clear, I need to make sure that my heart, my heart is in the right place that I'm not praying for selfish things. I catch myself doing this often even as I pray over people today. I don't like the wimpy prayer, oh God, maybe if you think you can do it, uh, whatever, you know, we'll just start to submit to you. No, I pray in the will of God, but I then pray, God, I pray not only for this person to be healed, for this person to be able to find a new career, for this person to be able to work out that relationship. I don't pray just for that person. I'm really praying ultimately for God to be glorified in that person. Was God glorified with Joshua when he brought about the great defeat and for them to have the promised lamb? You bet. Your motive for prayer 
is pure if your ultimate desire is not for that prayer to be answered, but for God to be glorified. So what is it in your life that has an impure motive on it? It doesn't mean you can't have a prayer that's personal about who you are and what's going on, but you need to take it to a higher level and say, God, I pray this, so ultimately you're glorified. And sometimes God is glorified by not answering our prayer the way we think it should be. Bold prayers come from God-glorifying motives and Christ-centered authority. We usually end prayers with what? In Jesus' name, amen. Why do we say in Jesus' name? Because Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's not you who's seeing the thing happen. It's Jesus who's doing it through you. Um, you know, the holidays, you have a tendency to try to watch a few more movies, and especially because you can't go out to movie theaters now. You sort of watch them on the screen. And so Wonder Woman 84 came out. Any of you watch Wonder Woman 84? All right, so I'm watching Wonder 80, uh, Woman 84 with my family, trying to be the good dad. I'm going to watch this movie. We're about 50 minutes into this movie. And they keep giving these flashbacks or these references to the first movie, Wonder Woman, from a couple, three years ago. And so I made the executive decision that we were going to stop the movie, Wonder Woman 84, and we were going to watch the original Wonder Woman movie. It made for a very long night. And so we're watching Wonder Woman, and I'm always fascinated by the superhero movies. Why is there such fascination with superhero movies? You ever ask yourself that question? Because they seem to be growing, and there's this whole network and the tie-in to everything. And um, I'm watching Wonder Woman, and I realize that some of the reason you like it is because there's this, not this just the transcendence of power, but there's these dimensions that they're able to operate in. And Wonder Woman had to learn how to use her power and to identify with what she had been gifted. And I won't go into a lot of my analysis of both movies, those kinds of things. We got them both watched eventually and that kind of thing. But I thought, you know, Lord, this is so true of my life. You have given me power, not in and of myself, but power from you. And I am to exercise that power in this new year. And I am to be bold in proclaiming things that you want to see happen for your glory. And you're changing me. You're using me. You're making me become an instrument of your glory. And I can be a wimp and sit back with double-mindedness and doubt and live a double-minded life, whatever it may be. Or I can step up and say, I'm a child of the most high God, empowered by the Holy Spirit who dwells within me, and He has finished everything through His death and His resurrection on the cross. He has defeated Satan, and He is coming back soon and very soon. And during this age, He has called us to forward His kingdom on earth. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Then let's get at it. Let's make some things happen that I need to pray and break through, if you will, and to the confidence and the belief of who He's made me to be, to pray for a situation, to act in kindness towards a person, to be able to prep a message, to be able to share from my heart. I am a vessel of God's Spirit for His glory. And there's nothing more transcendent, there's nothing more powerful than that, 
even put up against a superhero. But am I going to identify with the position I've been given? And so when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying in all the authority and the power of Christ and the finished work of the cross and the resurrection. And I'm going to pray with boldness. And I'm going to pray whether it's a person coming back to full life, or I'm going to pray over a person's healing, or I'm going to pray for a person's deliverance. I'm going to pray in the power of the Spirit for their life to bring glory to God. So, I want us to gather our thoughts, and as surely as we let off with some quiet prayer time, I want you to pray and seek the Lord as we share in communion. The first Sunday of 2021, I want us to take the bread and the cup. As it says in 1 Corinthians 11:26, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. I want us to remember that what we have in our hands, and if you don't, have the cup and the bread here this morning. Just raise your hand and Don will pass it around to you. At home, maybe you can find uh, some juice and some bread. This bread and this cup, there's no power in it of itself. Maybe you come out of some Catholic circles and Catholicism and others. High end, they, they believe in transubstantiation that the priest's prayer over it is actually making it the blood of Jesus and making it the bread. Friend, we, we don't need to go there because all that's needed is a recollection of the finished work of Christ. And the blood and the cup and the bread and the body are symbolic. They're symbolic of the event that happened when Christ broke His body, allowed His body to be broken and His blood to be shed. And he defeated Satan. If you're wanting to see mighty things happen through your prayer life, you need to know this. You're in a battle. You're in a fight. Just like Joshua was. But Jesus defeated Satan at the cross because he became obedient to death. And God raised him from the grave. That finished work is what we place our faith on. Christ-centered authority has to do with the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the atonement. And so when I pray with bold prayers, I'm praying not for victory, I'm praying from victory. And I'm praying, God, may this be so because You have defeated Satan. You can be glorified through this. And when we bow our heads here in some moments of meditation, I want you to realize the symbolism of the body that was broken of the blood that was shed and thank the Lord that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what this year holds, transitions and all that may be a part of your life, the Lord's presence, may it be more real. The Lord's promises, may they be more clear in the Lord's power. May it be more active because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Take these moments, then we are going to partake together of each element.
but thank the Lord for that atonement that we start this new year with as a believer in Christ. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Come to the altar and take the bread. It says this in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11, when the Apostle Paul gave reference to it. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let me partake. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray before we take the cup. Lord Jesus, we hold in our hands a symbol of your shed blood on Calvary. Lord, for this year in 2021, may we be covered afresh and anew by the redemption that comes through your shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins, but not only the forgiveness of past sins, but the power over sin for the year ahead. And Lord, the power to be able to see your will 
activated in the lives of many others. We thank you that we come to the altar here on this first Sunday of this year with a finished work that's as full and as complete today as when it happened 2,000 years ago. And Jesus, my prayer for all of us today, whether here on site or online, is that our prayer life this year would be reflective of that finished work. That we would find ourselves more in your presence, claiming your promises, and seeing your power active in our everyday worlds. We thank you for your shed blood. And as we partake together, Lord, may there just be a fresh covering and cleansing over each of our lives and our families as we seek to do your will and your purposes in this year. Amen. We partake. Well, that's it. You're good to go. Let's be bold. We live on this victory side of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thanks for starting your year out in our presence or online, and we will see you next Sunday. God bless.